last service for the remaining Walker family that's here. Sister Jessica, we're going to miss you and your family greatly. Continue to keep them in your prayers as well during this time. Amen. Amen. Just there where you're seated, would you pray with me for a moment? Lord, we're thankful for this day. Jesus, we're thankful that you've blessed us all with the opportunity to be here in your presence. Jesus, your presence and your anointing is what we long for. It's what we need more than anything, Lord. The scripture says, without you, we can do nothing, Lord, and we believe that. We've learned that through our lives, through our time, Lord. Truly, without you, we can do nothing. We can do nothing of ourselves, Lord, but only what we've seen and learned and heard from you, Jesus. We're thankful, O God, for the ways that you are ministering to your body, to your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, continue to add, Lord, continue to add daily. Jesus, according to the pattern that you set forth in your scripture, continue, Lord, to add daily all across this region, Lord, across this country and across this world, such as should be saved, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks today, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're worthy of praise, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. I was, I woke up this morning thinking about prayer and was reading through some scriptures. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. I don't intend to, to stay here and dwell on this long, but, but I want to show you something. Um, sometimes it... it I'm not going to, I don't want to even go down this rabbit trail, but we, we read a lot in the King James Version, and I, I'm thankful for that. It's what I've heard many preachers say is they use King James Version especially for doctrinal issues because it's the closest uh, translation to other, uh, to the original scripture. Um, being raised in the church, King James Version is what I've heard most of my life. It's how I think of the Bible. Oftentimes, it's how I pray when I am praying the Word. Um, that is the, the version that's just kind of in my mind, in my heart, and I'm thankful for that. I was reading this scripture in a different version today, and, and it made more sense, if I can put it that way, because it, it, early in chapter 6, he's talking about, don't be as hypocrites. That's the word that the King James Version uses. It says when you, when you give, when you pray, whatever it is that you're going to do, don't do it as hypocrites do. And in my mind, I, I think of that as um, the religious people of that day that Jesus is talking about and referring to. And in some of these passages, he even mentions the Pharisees. Um, but in verse 7, he kind of changes. He's not talking about doing things the way hypocrites do anymore or the way that Pharisees or the tradi religious traditional people um, say things. Here he says, don't use vain repetition as the heathen do. See that? He's not talking about religious people anymore. He's not saying, don't use vain repetition like the Pharisees do. Don't use vain repetition like the hypocrites do. He says, do it, don't do it as the heathen. And the, the translation that I read said, don't use that as the pagans do. And I thought, hang on, we, we, that's a, taken a, a large leap from talking about not doing things and using Pharisees and hypocrites uh, as the example to using pagans as the example. But as I was thinking about that and kind of, I mean, I, I, I have I've never majored in pagan studies, so I'm just kind of going off of my general knowledge here. But pagans, when I think about pagans and, and pagans doing their ritualistic activities, and in this context of vain repetition... The, the word that I think of and, and how I visualize, visualize that is chanting. And, and many or most of their rituals, when they are saying something over and over, that's the t kind of the term that we would use is that it's a chant. And it says, they think they will be heard 
for their much speaking or for their chanting. The more we chant this, the, the more likely we are to be heard or the more often we're going to be heard. Um, now that, you, you, you take that, that one element and then put that back into everything we know from Matthew chapter 6. And you can realize, okay, he's not wanting me to pray out in the open, out on the street corner, or, 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 or take my, uh, my devotion there to be seen and heard in public. That's what he says is like what the Pharisees do. And he says they have their reward. But he also says, don't do like the pagans do and just chant something repetitively, thinking that you'll be heard that way either. Now, you do with that what you want, but I know that the Lord showed me that in Scripture, so I needed to share that with you today. As I pray, if I, if I am... Uh, sometimes my mind starts to wander a little bit while I'm praying. I'll confess that to you. Especially as we know, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. So we're supposed to live a life where we are always praying. I can't live a life where I'm always praying and then just shut out every other thing in my life, okay? I can't use that as an excuse to not parent today. Oh, nope, sorry, kids. I got to pray. Scripture says pray without ceasing, so um, make yourself some breakfast and don't make a mess. i got to pray. No, or I can't use that on the job. Uh, the boss comes in. No, hang on. Scripture says pray without ceasing. So, so in my mind, I can be praying and often thinking and doing other things, other tasks. And sometimes my mind will even, as another task, as I guess you could call it, um, my mind can be evaluating my praying. Has anybody been there before? You're thinking about what I, I said something. I wonder what that was that I said. I, I mean, I kind of I repeat it. Or in this context, again, with talking about vain repetitions, my mind sometimes will trigger when I say the same thing twice or two or three times. And I wait a second. Hang on. And it's like I got this kind of battle going on in my head. How, how close are you getting to Matthew 6, verse 7, where it says, don't do that because you just did it clearly. But what I'm thinking is, if I don't have, if I'm just saying it because I don't have anything else to say, or if I'm just saying it because I feel like I have to be saying something, so let's fill the word with air, fill the air with words. That's kind of what he's talking about. Don't use vain repetition to fill the air with words. What you're saying is supposed to be meaningful. The opposite of vain. Vain in this, in this scripture means empty or powerless. So what you're supposed to be saying is powerful. Things that are full of power. Things that are full of meaning. If you have to say something that's powerful and full of meaning more than once, I say that's okay. Right? We, say, we, we use that in every other context. Repetition is, is a key. So, so I, 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 hopefully that helps someone. Don't be caught up in having to, to evaluate your prayer as you're praying to the point where you can no longer effectively pray. Amen? I want you to look at Romans chapter 13. I'm going to talk through some of this chapter today with the help of the Lord. Romans chapter 13, and I'll just start reading at verse 1 here. This is, a, this is a very practical chapter when it comes to the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome. Practical in the sense of he's dealing with issues that they're going to see and face at a very real level on a, on a very regular basis, a daily basis here. So he says, Romans 13 and 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing. And he has enough understanding and knowledge 
to be able to use that phrase to the church. Subject, that means you obey, you listen, you are under the authority of the higher powers. For those of you that didn't grow up in Pentecost, I have to apologize to you, but I probably shouldn't even have to do that. Because I grew up in Pentecost expecting a certain thing from preachers every Sunday. And then I know that when I'm the one that's supposed to speak, you're not going to get the thing that I'm expecting, would have been expecting to get, with me at least. When I have the microphone in my hand, Obviously, I want to be used of the Lord. I want to say what he wants to say. But how often I keep finding him saying things that these are not what preachers go. Preachers don't say this. They don't talk down this avenue, down this road. But again, it's in the Bible. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said this. Every soul is going to be subject to the higher powers. We're not talking about spiritual powers, okay? In this setting, in, in this scripture, he's not talking about, uh, the, the, there's other scriptures that say we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places. We're not talking about the, that kind of power, spiritual wickedness in high places. He's talking about people that are in charge. Catch that. People, humans, human beings that are in charge. They are the higher powers. And let every soul be subject to those. For there is no power but of God. We say this, I say this often in my praying. All power in heaven and earth belongs to him. So that's what this scripture is saying. It's validating. Any power, any person in a a position of authority is there by God. They didn't get there without his approval. Now, we have, to, we have to be careful and not say, okay, then that means they are representative of God. Not the same thing. You can be put, was Pharaoh representative of God in, in Egypt? No, he was not. He was, he was diametrically opposed to the work that God wanted to do there. But he was placed in that position at that time by God. So you see the difference. We don't don't equate higher power with spiritual rule and administration. But we, at, at the same time, we do acknowledge the fact that they are put there by God. For there is no power but of God. The powers, this is the this is the saying, the powers that be are ordained of God. That person that got in that place of authority was ordained, chosen by God. Whosoever, therefore, resisteth the power. Lord, that is a weighty, weighty group in 2019, soon to be 2020. Whosoever resisteth the power. And I, I, sometimes I'll use politics as an example. Our, our, the scripture does not revolve around politics. Our lives as Christians shouldn't re- revolve around politics. But we use that sometimes as an example because it's, a, it's something we can relate to. We see this in such loud um, and such voluminous occasions every day. But we talk, we're talking about someone who resists power. They resist, it says, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. I had to stop right here because uh, if you, how many know the Bible is meant to be literally translated? Literally. It, what it says it means it's not talking in figurative the majority of the time it's not talking about oh it would be nice if we had a great king it would be great if we had no there's a king and he's in charge that's literal 
So I'm thinking about this literally, and, I'm, and I thought, no, hang on. There's got to be caveats here about, well, what if, what if the person in charge is fill in the blank? What if they tell me to do this? What if, you know what, what Jesus said about that? I'll show it to you, just so you don't think I'm making this up. I know it's in there. This is what this is what he says. Matthew 5 and 9. Sorry, Matthew 5 and 39. So, that, so what we were reading in Romans says if somebody resists power, they're resisting the ordinance of God. So the, my question is, what if the person in charge, that power, is saying or doing or projecting things that are not of God? Does that give me the right as the Christian to not subject myself to their authority? Before we talk about this, let me read you the other passage, because just so you can see the whole thing. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they go to the temple. They heal. They're used of God to heal the lame man. Then they find themselves in the middle of... Um, being questioned, how did you do this? Explain yourself. And, and they say, very simply, through the power of the name of Jesus and belief on his name. That's what made this man whole. To make a long story short, those that were in charge decided, we're, gonna, we're not going to allow them to teach in the name of Jesus. If they say this is how they got the power, this is where the healing came from, and we don't want that to continue, we're going to strike the name. No more teaching or preaching in that name. And in that context, what the disciples said was, if you think that you can put yourself in the place of God, because that's really what you're doing, you're saying no more speaking in this name. If you believe that you... You have the higher power, the higher authority than God to tell me what I can and can't do. That's for you to decide. If you want to play God, that's up to you. Now, I have the highest power, the highest authority in my life, and that's God. You're not him. So when he tells me to do something, and you tell me to do something, and they oppose each other, I'm going to leave that up to you to decide, do you want to punish me for following and obeying my God? That's, that's really the pattern that they set forth. It wasn't anarchy. It wasn't overthrow the Pharisees. No, it was, I'm going to continue to do what God has told me to do. And in another passage, they did go as far as to say, we ought to obey God rather than man. But understand, that's in, in a very, that's in a very extreme situation and circumstance. If governmental authorities came to our place of worship right now and said, you, don't have, you no longer have the ability to worship, then, okay, we're going to have to reach that extreme. I don't know about you, that's never happened in my lifetime. In this country, never a place where I've been. So I don't get to just jump to that extreme and say, I'm only going to listen to God and nobody else can tell me what to do. Newsflash, Romans 13, that's God speaking through Paul and telling you what to do. Your soul is subject to authority. Your soul is subject to higher power. So if you, that's God. That's God speaking through the apostle Paul to us. To the church. Now, put yourselves in Rome in this, in this setting, in this day and age, in Rome, where Christians are being persecuted. 
every day. And it becomes a life and death situation as to whether or not you get to continue to follow in his footsteps, walk in this path, share his word, believe in his word. Daniel was told, don't pray. If you're going to pray, it can only be to the king. Now we've got this extreme opposition. And Daniel knows, no, I only have one king. That's God. He's the one I'm going to continue to pray to. Matthew 5 and 39. This is Jesus speaking. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. Remember I told you I was looking for a a caveat. How do we get, if, 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 if the scripture says if you resist authority, you resist the ordinance of God. And I'm thinking, what if it's bad authority? What if it's a ruler that doesn't believe in these things? And if it gets to this level, this is what Jesus had to say about it. Resist not evil. Man, this is fun. I'm getting to say all kinds of stuff I didn't expect to say. When, when the scripture seems to contradict itself in any two passages, if the scripture seems like it's contradictory, the issue is I need a greater level of understanding. Scripture does not, all scripture is what it says, given by inspiration of God. So I read this, resist not evil. And my mind can run to another scripture that seems to contradict this, that says, resist ye the devil and he will flee. Okay, here I'm being told don't resist. There I'm being told resist. That seems to contradict itself. No, it just means I need the the right and true understanding of it. In the other passage where it talks about resist the devil and he will flee, that's just talking about temptation. Okay? If, if you're constantly being tempted by the devil, resist. In this passage, now it's, it's interesting because it uses the word evil. But it says resist not evil. And in this passage, we're talking about our attitude, our spirit towards authority and actions taken against me from others. This has nothing to do with temptation. He says it. Jesus says, For, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek. Is that practical enough for you? If you. If someone smites you on the cheek. You don't get to run and say. I resist this authority. I'm going to. He says turn the other cheek. This is his mindset towards opposition. Scripture says the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Romans 13. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and that they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works. The person in charge is not going to go around hating the person that does everything right. That just doesn't make sense. Good works... When you follow, when you obey, that's good works. 
The person in charge is not a terror to the person that's following and obeying, doing good works. How confusing would it be to your kindergartner if they went to, to school on the first day and the teacher said, I want everybody to sit down. And everybody stood up. And your kid's looking around like, but the teacher said, sit. If everybody's doing what the teacher says to do, there's no problem. There's no issue. And what he's saying here is a ruler is not a problem, a terror to somebody that follows the rules. So if you're following the rules, you don't have anything to worry about with this person that's in charge. But to the evil, wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. This is, this is interesting. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. It doesn't matter who is in this position of authority. If they're teaching me to obey authority, which is a spiritual principle, that is good to me. It's good to me. If they're teaching me to obey authority, that's a spiritual lesson that I'm learning. We, we've got it. I want to say so much right now. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, I believe your spirit is here ministering to us right now. Father, we're thankful for the truths of your word. We're thankful, Lord, for the truth, and Lord, that you would reach us with your truth, that you would speak to us where we are with your truth. In the name of Jesus, Hikata Hayea Mandaro Lo Sata Haya. Yandoro Lo Sata Haye Ikata Haya. It's indicative of our society to think that it's okay to rise up against people in position of authority. I'll say that again. It's, a, it's indicative of our society to think that it's okay to rise up against people that are in position of authority. Society says, resist. Don't respect. And in a society that says that, that starts to become acceptable, encouraged, praised, publicized. Verse 4, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause, <laughs> here we go. If it's not enough to just talk about respecting authority, he's going to get more personal. He's going to get more into your business. And he's going to talk about your finance. For this cause, pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers. That's a third time in two, pa two passages that he said, the person in authority is a minister of God. How would you like to go up to your boss at work and say, brother boss, you're a minister today. What are you, you going to preach about today? It's Monday. What are you talking No, I know, but you're the minister of God. You're in the position of authority, and you're going to teach me things. It almost doesn't even seem right, but this is what the Scripture is saying. The person in a position of authority is a minister 
of God. For, for this cause, pay you tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore. Render means pay. Render, therefore, to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Did you know, at one point, while Jesus was alive on the earth, someone came to him and said, do you pay your tribute? We'll use the word taxes, okay? Because that's kind of how we think of it in our society. What we, what we pay, the, what, the, uh, what the rulers say we have to pay. Do you pay what the rulers say you have to pay? Gee, I love Jesus' response to this. Whose face is on that coin? Uh, Caesar's face. Okay, so that's Caesar's. That belongs to him. Sure, pay it to him. It's his. He wants it. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> if you had a dollar, take it out. What, what do you see on there? Do you, do you see Elder Hart's face on there? I don't. That's, who, that's whose that is. And Jesus says, render to Caesar... What is Caesar's? And he says, and render to God what is God's. Verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. You mean I owe another person love? Is that what that scripture says? Owe no man anything but to love one another. Verse 9. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not... Bear false witness. Remember, this is in the middle of the book of Romans, Paul writing to the church. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Can you believe that? All the law can be summed up with one word, love. All the law, it's fulfilled in that word. Now this, this passage, I'm coming to a close, but I want to, I want to finish this because I felt the Lord right before service, drop this, this passage into my spirit. He wants to speak this to us today. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Paul, he, he wrote all that stuff that we just read about in Romans, about authority, about paying your tribute, about loving people. He wrote all of that to the church to get them in the right mindset. And then he says, because it's time to wake up. It's time to awake out of slumber. See, if you're, if you're in a state of slumber, you're not going to worry about anything that we just read. You're not going to worry about Obeying authority. In a state of slumber, it's easy. I, I, I got to say this is funny. You'll like, you'll like this. Last week, they had junior camp. I got to stay home, had to work, stayed home with the two youngest children. And at night, somehow they both managed to end up in mom and dad's bed every night. But what's funny is, as long as... Somebody else is sleeping in that bed. Man, they sleep like babies. 
lights out. It's just poof. I'm convinced that how many times they wake up and see, okay, somebody else sleeping here, go back to sleep. When you're slumbering, it's easy to slumber with the other people slumbering around. And if that's my mindset, I don't care about authority. I don't care about paying what I'm supposed to pay. I don't care about loving people. I'm slumbering, and I'm sleeping good. And I'm just going to rouse enough to see that other people are slumbering too. Okay, back to sleep. Paul says, knowing the time, you can't stay there. You can't stay in that state of slumber. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Honestly. We look at the life of Jesus and it's possible it's in there, but all the passages that talk about what he did, where he went, what he said, who he healed, all that, he was working in the day. He's our example. He woke up every day and said, this is a day that I've got a chance to do what my father wants me to do. It's the day I'm going to work. But he said it. The son can do nothing of himself. But he does what he sees the father do. He can't say anything of himself. But he says what the father says. Now, we, we could very easily read all of this and, and see this and think, okay, that means I've got to be a better Christian. And I'm not saying that you don't. I've got to go through my checkbook and make sure I paid everything right. I'm not saying that you don't. But the point of all this, the purpose of all this, is so that we can reach the life that Christ lived. Him as our example. He, I said it again. He, he woke up. And he, he sought the Lord for what am I supposed to do this day? Every day. You may have heard this said. He, he, the only way that he could gauge his success was to what level did he find and obey the will of God for that day? The only way. We have all kinds of ways of trying to measure our success, even just in our own personal lives. Man, was today better than yesterday? Well, let's see. What did I do yesterday? What did I do today? Yeah, it was okay. I did some things good. <laughs> but that's not what Jesus did. Scripture says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm looking to him because he's the one writing my story. He's the one writing today, this date, Here's what you're supposed to do. Verse 12 again. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness. Not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Why don't you stand with me? This is, this is what we have the opportunity to do today. It's what we have the opportunity to do every day, to put on 
the Lord Jesus Christ. To put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us start the day looking in the closet for what we're going to wear that day? What am I going to wear today? Man, I'm, I'm really not even fully awake, but I know I, gotta, I can't go to work in pajamas. What am I, I going to wear today? Got to think about this. That's what the scripture is saying. Put on. If you wake up, let this, I encourage you, I challenge you. Let this be your first thought when you wake up. I'm going to put on the Lord today. I'm going to put on, that's what I'm going to wear today, the Lord Jesus Christ. When, I, when I'm wearing the, the Lord, I've put on the Lord, it gets easier to know how to respond to authority. It gets easier to, it gets easier to know how to love my neighbor. It gets easier to know how to love my children when I put on the Lord. This is who I am. This is, I, I'm just trying to be like the one that I put on. How would he respond in this situation? How would he react when he's faced with this? Well, I put him on. I know him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, right now we seek to cast off anything that's not of you. We seek, Lord Jesus, to cast off what the scripture calls works of darkness. An instance, Lord Jesus, where I'm robed in something other than you, something other than your glory. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to open this altar if you'd like to come and pray. I believe the Lord is here. He wants to speak to us today. In the name of Jesus. He cut. Come on, the Lord's here right now to minister, to meet this need, to help. He's here right now. Let's reach out to him, church. Let's reach out to the Lord. Let him have his way. In the name of Jesus.
going to pray as we close and head out today. We withhold nothing from the Lord. The Lord is continuing to do a work within us and through us on a daily basis. We go through things. It's life. There's challenges. There's struggles. There's trials. It's life. We face them every day. I face them every day. The Lord has made a complete turnaround in my life today. And I stand here today and sometimes I'm in awe and wonder of how this happened. I'm thankful that it happened. I'm thankful that I'm here today and not out there. And we go through certain circumstances and people come into our lives and people walk out of our lives. And sometimes we don't understand why those things happen or why they're taking place. But God has purpose in every circumstance and every situation. So let's praise him today before we go and be thankful for what he's doing. And let's take that home with us. For the kids that are starting school this upcoming Monday, let's take that to the schools. And let's just praise him. Lord God, we just thank you for your word today, Jesus. We thank you for speaking into our lives. We thank you for opening our ears and our eyes to your truth, Jesus. I want to submit to the authorities in my life. I want to submit to the rulers in my life. And I want to be obedient to the will of God. And I just pray, Lord, that you lead us, that you direct us, and that you guide us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed.